Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. My favorite thing about my dad is he was a Christian and he was a preacher. And it's always nice when preachers are Christians. Sort of works out good. And for the 25th year in a row since his passing, those of you who've been around here a while know that I am wearing his necktie. And as I was putting it on this morning, it felt really good and it warmed my heart. And I told my dad how much I love him and appreciate him. He didn't answer me, but uh, it made me feel good. And as I was tying it, you know, it's definitely a retro tie. And it's really not long enough. It sort of looked like a gangster tie. I'm like, how you doing, Dad? How you doing? But it still feels good. And we're so glad for all of you that are here today. Thank you, Travis, who's our men's director here at the Life Church, for planning a great service for us today. Let's give him a hand and his team. And if you are in this house today as a man, first of all, you are a champion, whether you are a father or not. But if you have children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, uh, I have a colleague of mine who's only three years older than me. He has great-grandchildren in the house of the Lord, not here, but in the house of the Lord today. You are a champion. Give your dads and your granddads a big hand right now. And I have, to, I have to tell one bad, corny joke. Why do dads like me who play golf bring an extra pair of socks in case they get a hole in one? Don't steal my punchlines. Well, I asked, didn't I? That's hilarious. I have to show you a picture of my dad today. This is when he was in World War II. On the right, Wendell Gleason and his dad, my grandfather, Turner, on the left. I'm not sure what uniform Grandpa's wearing there, but he's got one on. I know that Oregon City, Oregon was a two-tiered city. About a hundred-foot-tall cliff separated the upper tier from the lower tier down by the river. And he was the official city elevator operator that connected upper Oregon City with lower. So maybe that's his elevator operator uniform. Now, he was born in 1871, but I guarantee you that is not a Civil War uniform. And I also want to show you a picture of my father-in-law, Charles Dyson. My wife's dad was a great, great man of God. A successful businessman, but more than that, a man of God. And then I want to circle back to my dad and my grandfather. There's a picture, a black and white picture of my grandfather, my grandmother, and their eight children. And they're all passed away, but they all died in the faith. They all died in the faith, walking with God. And I'm so, so very, very appreciative of that today. Would you stand with me? And we're just going to read four verses of Scripture 
from Genesis chapter 27. Again, so glad, happy, thankful for everyone that is here today. And I have some personal guests here today, and you've blessed me by being here, and thank you for coming. Genesis 27, beginning with verse 1. Oh, yeah, how many dads got a shoe shine? Raise your hand if you got a shoe shine today. All right, listen. Gary, go get the shoe shine guy. Rick, get him to poke his head in here. This is my personal shoe shine man from Kansas City International Airport, Rick Evans, who runs Shine on the Go. He's going to stick his head in the back door. Give Rick a big hand. Give us a wave, Rick. <laughs> Well, that was quick. Rick was quick, but he was back there sweating today. So, gentlemen, if you didn't get your shoes shined, I'm going to give you permission to walk out on me while I'm preaching. I won't be offended. And you can slip back there. He'll be here till 1 o'clock, shining shoes. Genesis 27, verse 1. It came to pass when Isaac was old. His eyes were dim that he could not see. He called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. He answered him, Here am I. He said, Behold, now I'm old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat. And notice this phrase, that my soul may bless you. That my soul may bless you before I die. And you may be seated. I want to show you the cover of a book that I read in 1983. It's entitled, The Blessing. And it's written by Gary Smalley and John Trent. And we passed this book out, by the way, whether you have an offering or not, gentlemen, if you are over 20 years of age, take a book home because I don't want these sitting in a box in my office for the next 12 months. So please take a book, whether you have an offering or not. We want them to walk out of here. And if you took a book and there's still one left up there and you have a friend that you know would benefit from it, please take one for them. I read this book, The Blessing. Oh, Not sure how that happened. Uh, in 1983, and it changed my life. It's right out of the Bible. And the tagline at the top says, No matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass that approval along to your children, your spouse, and your friends. Many people spend a lifetime looking for this acceptance that the Bible calls the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. My subject today is how a man blesses his family. How a man blesses his family. Brian had flown halfway around the country to be at his father's side in one last attempt to reconcile Years of misunderstanding and resentment. For his entire life, Brian had been searching for his father's 
acceptance and approval, but it always seemed just out of reach. Brian's father had been a career Marine and an officer. His sole desire for his son when he grew up was that he would follow in his footsteps. For that reason, he took every opportunity to instill in his son the discipline and the backbone he would need one day to be also an officer. Words of love, acceptance, approval, tenderness were forbidden. Brian was driven by his father to participate in sports and take classes that would equip him to be an officer. Brian's only praise for scoring a touchdown or doing well in a class was a lecture on how he could have and should have done better. After graduating from high school, Brian enlisted in the Marine Corps. It was the happiest day of his father's life. However, his joy was short-lived. Brian was cited for attitude problems and disrespect for orders and was soon put on report. After weeks on such reports and getting into a vicious fight with his drill instructor, Brian was dishonorably discharged from the service and branded as incorrigible. The news of his discharge dealt a death blow to his relationship with his dad. Brian was no longer welcome in his father's home, and for years there was no contact. Brian struggled with feelings of inferiority, and he lacked self-confidence. Even though he was above average in intelligence, he often worked at jobs well below his abilities and giftedness. Three times he'd been engaged to be married, only to break up just weeks before the wedding. Somehow he just didn't believe that another person could really love and accept him. Brian's father slipped into a coma just hours before he arrived at the hospital. The words he longed to hear for the first time, words of love, acceptance, and approval, could now never come out of his dad's mouth. Dad! Please wake up. Brian's heartbreaking sobs echoed down the hospital hallway. Please say that you love me, Dad, just one time. His cries spoke of an incredible sense of loss. Not only the physical loss of his father, but like many others, also the emotional sense of losing any chance of receiving the family blessing. Brian's failed career and relationships was the result of his lack of parental acceptance. Years after he physically left his parents' home without receiving the family blessing, he remained emotionally chained to the past. Gentlemen, if I could be so humbly presumptuous to walk into your life today and perhaps equip you with a skill that you have not yet learned, but today you can learn it, and it will change your life like it changed my life almost 40 years ago. I want to teach you biblically how to bless your family. Let's all clap our hands to the Lord Jesus, the Father of us all. 
Children who do not receive the family blessing will search for it their entire adult life and not even realize it. Unfortunately, many of those who are not given the family blessing will look in the wrong places for affirmation and acceptance. Never receiving the blessing could result in confusion and anger, as was the case in the text that we read to you talking about Esau and his relationship with his father. The blessing of Esau's day, the day he lived in, was a momentous event. The blessing gave children a tremendous sense of being highly valued by their parents, and it even pictured a special future for them. Time out. I have to say that if you did not receive the family blessing... You can learn how to give it. I just felt directed of the Lord so that you don't sit here and say, well, I never got it. I can never give it. That's a lie. And in some cases, if you never got the blessing and one of your parents is still living, I'm going to show you how to get it. Aren't I magical? In Esau's day, The family blessing was everything. Esau was willing to trade away his birthright for a bowl of beans. But the family blessing, that was a much different matter. When Esau realized that Jacob had usurped his blessing, and if you don't know the story, Rebekah, you talk about a dysfunctional family. Rebekah loved Jacob, but Isaac loved Esau. They were twins. Esau was the oldest. Esau was entitled to the blessing. And Rebekah overheard her husband tell Esau to go kill a, a deer and bring it back and prepare the food. And he was going to eat it and then bless him. And she said, I don't want Esau, your lousy brother, to have the blessing. I want you to have it. So you go get a couple goats and I'll disguise the meat. And he's a hairy man and you're a smooth man and I'll put the goat skins on your, on your yeah, I just had somebody wrinkle up their nose and look at me. That's exactly what was going on. You, 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 you put, put it on their wrists and, and neck and, and you, you go in there and get the blessing. This was a messed up deal. But nevertheless, the blessing was real. And so when Esau comes in and he realized that Jacob, whose name means usurper, supplanter, heel grabber, Jacob never thought he could get anything honest from God. And I'll get to that in a minute. So he thought he had to resort to smoke and mirrors and chicanery to get this blessing. And he gets the blessing from Isaac. And when Esau comes in and he realized there's no blessing for him, the same painful cry and unfulfilled longing that was in the heart of Esau is being echoed today even by people in this room who for whatever reason did not hear the words of love, approval, and acceptance, perhaps from your father or your mother. When children receive the blessing, it not only provides a much-needed sense of personal acceptance and self-worth, but the blessing also plays an important part in protecting And even freeing us to develop godly, intimate, future relationships. 
A young lady who has received the family blessing, for example, will not feel compelled to run into the arms of another male who is not her husband. A young man whose father was not a deadbeat, a no-show, or unaffectionate will not seek male affirmation in the gay community. Research demonstrates that. Have you ever wondered who in their right mind could be swept into the darkness of a cult? I'll tell you who. People who did not receive the blessing from their family are suckers to join a cult. Because cult leaders have mastered the elements of the blessing by providing a sense of family and a sense of belonging and personal attention and affection and affirmation to those who never received it. Typically, those who did not receive the family blessing may experience either workaholism or become passives. They either believe that the next achievement in life will finally bring them the blessing they long for or they will just withdraw in apathy and give up because it's a carrot dangled in front of them they can never achieve. A flower cannot grow unless it has the necessary elements for life, which are soil, air, water, light, and a secure place to grow. The family blessing also carries key elements that enable us to grow up healthy, balanced, and unchained to our past. Here are the five elements of the family blessing. And I want to make a very strong statement today. But I have a conviction in my heart that almost every social ill in our culture, in our society, could be laid at the feet of a deadbeat, a no-show, a Neanderthal dad, a man. I could unpack that for the next hour off the top of my head just by reading the headlines of any particular day. You show me someone who doesn't know how to handle a gun and what to point and shoot at, and I'll show you somebody that wasn't raised by a godly man. For example. So there are five elements to the godly biblical blessing. Real simple. You can walk out of here quoting them. Number one, a meaningful touch. Would you say that? A meaningful touch. Story is told of a little girl who was frightened in a storm one night. She jumped out of her bed. She ran into her parents' bedroom, took a flying leap right between her mom and dad. Her dad woke up and said, what's wrong? She said, Dad, there's a storm outside, and I'm so scared. He said, well, we prayed our good night prayers, and you know that Jesus is right there beside you. She said, yes, but right now I need somebody with skin on. <laughs> and that's what the blessing provides. It's someone with skin on. Listen to Genesis 27, 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him. A meaningful touch is not a fist pump. It's not the ruffling of, uh, you know, somebody's hair. But it is a, it's an embrace. 
It's a kiss. Sometimes I kiss my sons. Say, well, by God, I don't want my son to grow up to be a sissy. So I'm not hugging them and I'm not kissing them. Well, you just go ahead and don't give them any male affirmation that's healthy and balanced and godly and right and pure and humble and see what happens. Don't stop touching your children, dads. Don't stop touching your daughters. Let me be plain spoken, even when they mature and develop, don't let the world or anybody tell you that you're a dirty old man if you hug your daughter because you're giving her the affirmation that she needs. You're preparing her for the embrace of a godly man, not an ungodly man. Don't stop touching your children. Statistically, most parents stop touching their children when they reach grade school. I still hug my sons. I gave them both hugs today. I got to hug Marissa. I didn't get to hug Michaela because she's in Detroit. But we'll take care of that in a few weeks when she gets home. She's on a mission. Even if your teenager cringes or rolls their eyes when you hug them. You kids wouldn't do that, would you? They still need a meaningful touch. When Isaac said, come close, my son, this expression was used to describe in those days armies that would come together and they would engage in battle. That's, that's what the embrace is. It's, it's an interlocking. Come close, my son. The touch that Isaac gave Jacob was a full, frontal, passionate, loving embrace. And, and Jacob and Esau were not four years old. They were more like 40 years old. But they still wanted the blessing. Dads, your children never outlive their desire for your blessing. No matter how old you are, they still want that meaningful touch. And it's all through the scripture. Moses transferred the power of his blessing on his protege, Joshua, by blessing him by the laying on of hands. Elijah transferred the power of his blessing to Elisha by the laying on of hands. And Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that was transferred to him by the laying on of hands. The human touch is powerful. Somebody look at your hand. You're looking at something very powerful right there. Yeah. Did you know that there are 5 million touch receptors in your hands? No wonder the physical touch blesses us. Studies have shown that there are even physiological benefits by the laying on of hands. For example, hemoglobin levels in the bloodstream elevate during the act of laying on of hands. This causes body tissue to receive more oxygen, which in turn energizes the one receiving the touch. And if and if they are sick, it can actually initiate regenerative processes. You're pretty powerful by the laying on of hands. And then when you put a prayer with it, that makes it even more powerful. Gentlemen, how would you like to lower your wife's blood pressure? How would you like to protect your grade schooler from being involved in an immoral relationship later in life? How would you like to add up to two years to your own life? 
All of these are actual proven findings through research as the result of a meaningful touch. Promiscuous men and women and women who repeatedly have unwanted pregnancies have told researchers that their sexual activities were merely a way of trying to satisfy a yearning to be touched and to be held. Research among homosexual men revealed that they grew up in the absence of receiving physical affirmation by their fathers early in life. Dr. Ross Campbell in his book, How to Really Love Your Child, said this, I have never known one sexually disoriented person who had a warm, loving, affectionate father. When Jesus picked up children in his arms and held them and blessed them, he was not acting like a cheesy politician, but he was demonstrating his knowledge as the creator of a child's genuine need. For a meaningful touch. Please listen. Again. Some of us may not have received a meaningful touch. From our earthly father. But I have good news for you today. You can receive a meaningful touch today. From your heavenly father. How many ever received a meaningful touch. From the presence of God in your life. Come on. Amen. Praise God. It's powerful. The first time I ever received it, I could, the building's been tore down. But if it wasn't tore down, I could take you to the place at Hagen, Victoria, Midway Tabernacle, where I first felt the meaningful touch of my Heavenly Father. I was seven years old, and I felt the presence of God. And I wept, and I've been addicted to it ever since. The meaningful touch of God is for you today. You can receive that meaningful touch in your life today. The Bible said, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Everybody say a meaningful touch. The second element of the blessing is a spoken message. Would you say a spoken message? Do you remember the old playground line, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never harm me? Do you know that's a lie? Nothing could be further from the truth. If we interviewed every man in this room and asked you if anyone ever said anything that hurt you and cut you deeply, every one of us could remember a time and a place and a person. The words we speak, the Bible says, have the power to produce life or death. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. By permission, I use an illustration from our illustrious Terry Bennett, but I've got a picture of a, of a strawberry cut in half. Terry, who's our resident, Dr. James Dobson, psychologist, Terry's a blessing, and he did his own experiment. He cut a strawberry in half. He put them in two separate baggies, taped them to the wall, and for seven days, the one on the left, he said, oh, you're a beautiful strawberry. I love you. You're my best friend. I just, you're so beautiful and handsome. And he did that for seven days to the half, same strawberry on the left. The other half on the right, he yelled at it. He screamed at it. You're the dumbest, ugliest, I hate you. Is that what you told it? You're stupid. Same strawberry cut in half. Look at that. Shall we pray? The power of death 
and life. You might want to go home and try that. Are in the power of the tongue. Family talk is powerful. Most of us can still remember words and phrases our parents spoke to us. I still remember the shirt I was wearing when I was 15 years old. It was a yellow and white striped shirt. And it was a Thursday night after the service. My dad, one of the staff pastors, came off the platform. He walked down the center aisle. I could take you to the place where we stood about four rows back. He put his arm around me like this. He looked down at me. He said, son, I looked at you tonight and I saw that your shoulders are getting broad and you're becoming a fine young man. And I'm so proud of you. He probably forgot about that within a day or two. I never forgot it. It made such an impression on me. He would always brag about how good I cut the grass and and, and he'd come to my band concert, seventh grade. Have you ever been to a seventh grade band concert? It's the worst sound in the history of music. But oh, after it was over, oh, that band was amazing. And the baritone section especially, which is what I played, the baritone, was awesome. And then later in years, he would affirm my preaching. And would always encourage me. Receiving the family blessing hangs on a spoken message. Abraham spoke a personal message to Isaac. Isaac spoke a personal message to Jacob. Jacob spoke a personal blessing to each of his 12 sons and his two grandsons. A blessing, gentlemen, is not given until you speak it. And don't just bless your children, but... Speak a spoken message to your wife once in a while. Don't be like the knucklehead husband who was in marriage counseling with his pastor. His pastor asked him if he regularly told his wife he loved her. He said, Pastor, I've been married to that woman for 20 years. I said I do and I love you the day I married her and I still stand today. Well, it'd be nice to hear it every once in a while. Your wife... And your children desperately need to hear a spoken message of value. Don't cop out and say, well, my children know good and well. I love them. How come I get in this southern accent when I talk like a... <laughs> I'll have you know I keep a roof over, my head, over their head and clothes on their back and food in the fridge. And if they don't tell them I love them, I don't know what will. I want all the men, 18 and older, to repeat after me. Ready? I love you. Did anybody die? <laughs> you can say it. It's powerful. If unkind words could do that to a strawberry, what do they do to a human spirit? If words of praise and love can do that to a strawberry, what would words of praise and affirmation do to the human spirit? Listen to James Three, five, and six from the message. A paraphrase of the scripture. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can set out a fire. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up and smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. I knew my parents loved me. 
But I never heard them tell me they did. I grew up in a great home. Got married. Married five years. I still remember talking to Marlene the day after I finished that book, The Blessing. I said, you know what? I know my parents love me. I got food, clothing, shelter. I got bicycles. I got an education. I know they loved me. But I never heard my dad say, I love you. I never heard my mom say, I love you. Here's how you get it. I lived in Ohio. You know, those in the days when, when, when no cell phones. And you couldn't just call long distance before 6 o'clock or it was big money. Or you waited till after 11 p.m. Shake your head if you remember those days. Or on weekends. Then it was 60% off. So I'd call on Saturdays because I was a poor youth pastor in Columbus, Ohio. And we had about a 20, 30-minute conversation standing 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I remember, I'm going to tell my mom and dad today I love them. And my heart is like boom, 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 boom. It's so weird. But it's real. And so we talked. And before we hung up, I said, uh, Dad, Mom, just before I go, I want to tell you, I love you. My dad said, oh, we appreciate you too, son. He couldn't say it. You know why? I talked to my wife about it. Her parents, the World War II generation, the greatest generation. Why couldn't they say it? I don't know. But anyway, I thought, you know what? I'm not giving up. Next Saturday, I went at it. Just before I hung up, uh, Mom and Dad, I just want you to know, I love you. My dad, oh, we appreciate you, son. Mom, same thing. Third Saturday, I'm like, I'm throwing down today. I'm going to get it. Mom and Dad, before I let you go, I just want you to know, I really love you. My mom, oh, honey, we love you too. My dad, son, I love you. I'm proud of you. And for, I was 26, for the next 13 years before my dad died, I got the blessing. I got it. The way you get it, if you never got it, is to go give it. Come on, turn to somebody and say, go give the blessing. Go give the blessing. If you give it, you'll receive it. I don't understand why some family cultures don't allow it. But it has to be given. And, aren't you, and it has to be spoken. And aren't you thankful that our Heavenly Father gives us a spoken message when He says, Lo, I am with you always. I will never abandon you. Jesus said, I will never leave you like orphans on the street. I will always be there for you. If you thank God we have a Heavenly Father like that, clap your hands to Him. So a meaningful touch... And a spoken message, number three, expressing high value. Would you say that with me? Expressing high value. This is the third element to the blessing. To value someone highly means to attach great importance to them. One of my mentors in leadership, vicariously through books, his name is John Maxwell. And he taught me how to put a 10 on everybody's head, 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. When you talk to them, when you greet them, don't talk down to them. Don't look over their shoulder waiting for someone more important to walk by and abandon them when they do. 
but you drill down on them and make them feel like the most important person in the world. You may not like Bill Clinton's politics, or maybe you do, but there's one other thing about him. He made everybody feel like a million bucks. In fact, I had a pastor friend that got to meet him, said I couldn't stand the guy. Everything he was against, I was for, and everything he was for, I was against. But I got to meet him in a, in a pastor's prayer breakfast one morning. He said, I couldn't believe it. In three minutes, he had me under his spell. I thought, this is the greatest guy I've ever met in my life. That's sort of scary to have that much charisma. I'm not really talking about fake political charisma. But I am saying to treat your people, your children, your family, put a 10. Just if you're sitting next to somebody, just go right over the top of their head. Just put a, give them a 10. Give them a 10. Come on. Give them a 10. Come on. The root word of blessing is the idea of bowing the knee. I want to ask the queen a question. You remember when Brother Stone King was here? And he usually doesn't say much about you and me. In fact, never does. And that's fine. But you remember when he walked over here and he bowed? We will never forget that. The act of bowing is powerful. Now, I'm not suggesting you go home and bow before your children. You know, they may call the funny farm and come and take you away. But the word bless is like bowing before someone. It's a graphic picture of valuing that person. And this is how we act and attach high value to people. Listen to Genesis 27, 27. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore may God give you all the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine and let people serve you and nation bow down and... Be master over your brothers and let your mother's son bow down to you and curses everyone that curses you and bless everyone that blesses you. Look at this blessing. In this blessing, Isaac gave Jacob a personal compliment. He prophesied God's future provisions. He pictured his son in leadership. He said others would respect and serve him. He said that he would have the favor of God and God would curse everybody that cursed him and bless everybody that blessed him. Telling children their value is sometimes difficult for parents. But I'm going to tell you, when words of value are only spoken when a child performs well, much of the impact will be lost. Don't withhold your blessing just for performance. Give it to them for no reason. You know, um, sometimes children grow up wondering, am I love for what I do or am I love for who I am? In a humorous way, if, I, if you would allow me, look at Jesus' baptism for a moment. When he was baptized, the spirit descended like a dove and spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus hadn't done a whole lot yet. It's his baptism. His ministry hasn't even started. But yet, the Father, the eternal Spirit of God, is teaching us how to express high value. Dad, please hear this. Pay attention. Notice 
your children's behavior, how they think, how they act. Notice when they treat others well. Notice if they're polite and respectful and kind. And affirm and underscore and reward the behavior you want to reproduce in them. Don't just call them out when they don't quite reach the bar. Express high value. And I'm so thankful our Heavenly Father expresses high value to us when he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Look how he talks to us. A holy nation, my own special people who I've called out of darkness into my marvelous light. Aren't you thankful that we have a heavenly father like that? Amen. What kind of a God calls you a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation? He's attaching high value to you. Number four, number four, picture a special future. Picture a special future. What kind of future do your words picture for your child? Don't be like the dad who said, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. That doesn't express a very bright future. True story. A grandmother was cuddling her grandson in her arms and her son was sitting across the way and she looked at him and said, how could anyone as dumb and ugly as you have such a good looking and smart child? Now, to some people, her words could have been brushed aside as a bad joke. But these words brought tears instantly to her son's eyes. Stop it, he said. That's all I've ever heard from you. It's taken me years to believe I'm not dumb and ugly. Why do you think I haven't come home in such a long time? I don't ever want to hear you call me dumb again. His mother sat in stunned silence. And tears came to her eyes. She really had just meant it as a joke. But for the first time, one of her children had the courage to confront her about the critical words she had spoke to them their whole lives. For years without realizing it, this mother had constantly kidded and chided her children about being stupid, fat, or ugly. After all, she'd been kidded unmercifully by her mother when she was growing up. She didn't receive the blessing. It never crossed her mind. She didn't know how to give it. Families can be cruel without actually meaning to be. I actually had a pastor years ago before I had children. He called his son Rusty. I said, why do you call your son Rusty? He said, because he wets the bed all the time. I never forgot that. I said, thank God my dad didn't nickname me for some challenge that I might have had in my life. Does this sound like picturing a special future? So I got permission today from one of our former Native American families who moved to Montana to do ministry, Michelle. So you can blame it on Michelle if you don't like this or if it's not politically correct enough for you, but I ran it by her. She loved it. She said, that's a good one. So there was a third-born son of a great Native American chief and he went to his dad one day and he said, Dad, how did I get my name? He said, well, when your oldest brother was born, the eagle soared through the sky. We called him Soaring Eagle. When your second brother was born, the deer ran through the field. We called him Running Deer. Why do you ask, Barking Dog? 
I sort of like that. Be careful what name you attach to your child. Charles Mahaney, who was our national prison chaplain for many years, told me a story. He said sometimes he would go into a prison like he did one day. There was 100 prisoners there. And he asked them to raise their hand if they ever heard their parents say, you're going to end up in prison someday. He said almost every one of them raised their hand. They were prophesying a future to their children. Why, why couldn't they be like the Jewish culture? The Jewish culture, here's their five-year-old son, David. Uh, this is my five-year-old son, David, the doctor. This is my four-year-old daughter, Sarah, the attorney. What are they doing? That's what they do. It's family culture. They're speaking prophetically into their future. Parents, not only give them a verbal spoken special message that pictures a future for them, but pray over your children. When you start praying over your children and you speak over them, you are becoming a prophet or a prophetess to your child. You are prophesying over them. In fact, Michaela texted me. That's my 26-year-old daughter. For those of you who don't know her, she texted me a few days ago. She said, Dad, I remember in 20, 2015, she said, you preached at the National, what is it, NAYC in Oklahoma City. And she said there was 25,000 kids there. But after you got done preaching, you came off the platform and you found me. And she said, I'll never forget what you prayed over me. I don't remember it. But she said, you prayed, God, everything that I am, I give it to her. And everything that I hope to be, I want her to exceed me. When we pray over our children, we are becoming prophets. We are prophesying to our children. And the more we pray over them, the more prophetic we become. And the less we pray over them, the more pathetic we become. So do you want to be prophetic or pathetic? Everybody all right? Amen. Our words prophesy a future. Finally, the fifth element of the blessing is an active commitment or what we mean is an active commitment to their future. In other words, take steps. Be there. Don't abandon them when they graduate from high school. Help them work their way through college. Help them get through college. Any child who has gone through school has dreaded at least one subject. Mine was geometry. I read about one student whose geometry teacher was certain that he and half the class were going to flunk the class and he knew it because the teacher talked to them like he wanted them to flunk. The teacher actually arranged their chairs in the classroom according to their current grade. A's in the front, then B's, then C's, then D's, then F's. Thankfully, the teacher took another job halfway through the school year. And all the class was relieved. On the first day of class with the new teacher, the student who told the story said something that was profound. He said the first day of class, the teacher committed to their future. And he said, if anyone fails this class, then I have failed as your teacher. We are committed to the success of our children's
future. And you know what? Nobody failed that class. When we discipline our children, it's actually an act of commitment to the well-being of their future. So I decided I was going to share this with you. Gentlemen, two biggest battles for men are porn and anger. Do not, and we address porn at our church. We've got programs if you need help. 60% of the men in this room today either have a problem or an addiction with porn. I want you to talk to Travis, who is our men's director, and we will help you. We will help you break free. And we could have testimonies today of men who have broken free. And we thank God. The other battle that we have is anger. That's why Paul said, I would that all men could lift up holy hands without anger and without doubting. And so... Um, Anger is a battle. It's a battle and it's a challenge for us. Don't ever discipline your children in anger because the Bible says provoke not your children to anger. And when you're angry with them and you mismanage them or mistreat them, you, you put anger in their heart. So I'm not a perfect dad by any stretch, but when I disciplined my children, here's how I did it. I would give them the belt. One to four lashes. And statute of limitations already run out, so nobody can send me to jail. <laughs> with their clothes on. And I would sit down and talk with them. They knew they were never going to get more than four, and I'd say, well, whatever their name was, what's your name? And tell me, because I'll get your name. What did you do? Yeah. Well, you think that's a one, a two, a three, or a four? Well, Dad, I think it's a two. I said, mm, no, I think it's a three. I remember one day, I don't remember which kid it was. I said, well, I think it's a two. They said, no, I think it's a three. I'm like, this isn't hurting enough. I'm not the strongest man in the world, but I could inflict pain. I would have them lay on their bed, face down. They knew what was coming. They didn't know it was an undetermined wail for the next hour. It was one, two, three, or four. Just enough so they would feel it. And then I would just let them in their room alone, let them cry, get over it for a few minutes. And then I'd come back. I'd sit on the bed. I said, is that ever going to happen again? No, Dad. That's never going to happen again. Put my arm around him. I love you. I did that because I love you. I never gave him that line, it's going to hurt me worse than it hurt you. Kids don't understand that. But it does when you discipline your child in love. Now, you raise your kids the way you want to raise your kids. But I think I raised four pretty good kids. And that is the way. And I never handed that job off to my wife. I always wanted to be able to discipline my children. But God said, the children that I love, I discipline. I chasten. So am I in the book? No marks, no welts. In love, balanced, not out of anger, in control. Have a nice day and have a wonderful Father's Day. So here's what James said in chapter 2, verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace and be warm and be filled, but you do not give them the things which they need for the body, what does it profit? These are words of blessing that I'm speaking to you today. And words of blessing are not enough alone, but they are empty without picturing a future 
and taking an active commitment and walking their future. Discipline of our children and rewarding our children is an active commitment. Reward the behavior you want to reproduce and discipline the behavior because the Bible said foolishness is born in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. So let's review. Can we show, can we show these five elements as I close this message today? Number one, a meaningful touch. Number two, a spoken message. Number three, expressing high value. Number four, picture a bright future. And number five, make an active commitment to that future. Would you stand? I want to thank you for spending a few moments here this morning and just letting me walk into your life. I know that what I've said today is painful, and for some people, Father's and Mother's Days are just horrible. It may be your story, but don't let it be your child's story. You change it. You fix it. You stop the generational curse. And you turn it into a generational blessing. I've told my children before, if they walk away from God, they're walking away from a billionaire's inheritance. Not because of me alone, but because of the two men that I showed you. Some of you know the story how my grandfather turned down a $4 million estate because he went and moved to London in the 30s because he wanted to raise his children to serve God. And all eight children died in the faith and over 160 direct descendants today. I would say, my sister's here today, I would say at least 95% of those 100 plus are walking with God today and in the faith as overcoming Christians. And we thank God for that today. Dads, take the blessing home to your children. Don't be like the dad and the small boy in the back seat on the way home from Sunday morning. He was crying. He was upset. His dad said, what's wrong with you? He said, well, you heard the pastor today. He said, every child in this church deserves to go home with a family where there's love, peace, and joy, but I want to live with you guys. Let that never be said of the Life Church. I had to sneak up in the choir today, be by my son-in-law and my two sons, just to have a memory, say we sang in the choir together, and I'm gonna go home and journal about it and make a memory. What could you do today that would bless your son, your daughter, your grandson? I want all the men age of 20 and older, I want you to come up here and stand in this altar right now, come on. Dads, future dads, future grandpas, future great-grandpas. Come on up here, 20 and older. Come on. Come in close. Guys are coming behind you. I was proud of all of you today in the choir and to represent our church well. Make sure that you get a shoe shine. Go work Rick out. He's going to be here for 20, 35 more minutes. But before we leave, keep coming. Folks are coming behind you. Before we leave today, let's commit our lives to be men that know how to give the blessing. 
If you want to study it, it's a $5 book at Christian Book Distributors or Amazon, a $5 paperback. Some of you probably still have the book at home. Go get it. It changed my life. It'll change your life. Gentlemen, let's commit today to give our wives and our children and our grandchildren the blessing. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Thank Him for being your Heavenly Father. Come on. Come on, guys. Thank Him for being your Heavenly Father. Thank Him for giving you His blessing. Ask Him to show you how to turn around and give it. Come on. Ask Him to show you how to be a godly man. How to be a Christ-like man. Say, Lord, I don't have any children, but someday I want to bless my children. Someday, Lord, I want to learn how to give the blessing to my children. Congregation, would you lift your hands to the Lord and open your mouths? If your dad or your husband or your grandfather's up here, would you pray for them? If you need to, would you forgive them as they forgive you right now? Come on, let's get some things under the blood today. Let's get a few things right. Let's be willing to say, I'm sorry. Let's be willing to say, I made a mistake. Come on, that's it, gentlemen. Open your mouths. Open your mouths and bless your wives. Open your mouths and bless your children. In fact, why don't you prophesy over your family right now? Come on, pray over your children. Call their names in prayer. Call your names in prayer in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for these men today. May they stand up in the 21st century and be godly men in an age, in a time, in a day. Hallelujah. Come on, if your son's close by, give him a hug. If he's in the building, give him a hug. Tell him you love him before you leave today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our sons and our daughters. We bless them today. We give them the blessing. We commit, oh Lord, to give our families the blessing. We don't want them searching in this world. We don't want our children, Lord, wandering around at night looking for affirmation. But we want them to receive it in a healthy, a godly, and a balanced way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands to our Father, our Heavenly Father. Praise God. Praise God. Would somebody do me a favor today before you leave? Could you get about 12 men lined up that got shoe shines today and get a picture of the shoes? I want to always remember that. Send it to me. Amen. All of you out here, give your husbands, give your dads, your grandpas, your uncles, give them all a hand. Children and ladies out there, give them a hand. God bless you. Go in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Shake hands. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.